Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looks like it's going to be another scorcher of a day. The sun is still high in the sky. That means there'll be work to be done. Working a few fucking creamy pints into you. You know? Good morning, sweet world, and welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Monday, June 5th, 2023. I'm J.E. Skeets here in the Classic Factory, and alongside me, the bearded one, Matasha Hotboy, Trey Kirby. hey yo, hey yo, And last but not least, over yonder... Super producer, making the magic happen, JD. Hello. There he is, and here we are in our green shirts. Happy St. Patrick's Day <laughs> to everyone. Wow, with that cold open, too? Skull hey. in the Guinness there? It's Canadian thanks, uh, Thanksgiving. <laughs> Canadian St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, everybody knows that. <laughs> June 5th. Uh, no Tassie, of course, here in the factory. He's headed back from Denver. Or wait, maybe he's already back? This guy took the red eye, I think, last night. Did he? Do we know that he flew back, or did he take the mountain bike? <laughs> you think he started on a, the top of the mountain and just cruised on down yeah. with his momentum? It's Perhaps. Possible. It's possible. Anyway, Tass will be back here tomorrow with me. TK heads out to Miami later today to cover games three and four. Do you Excited? know how many Packed? times I'm going to say Benvenido on oh, Miami? Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be ridiculous. A lot. A lot. Probably a, every time I meet somebody new. <laughs> okay. uh, at least for the first two days. Right, keep track for us. Yeah, I will. Shout out to the stream team joining us live right now on YouTube. Go get your No Dunks merch over at nodunks.com. And once we're done with this classic and you've done listening to it, check out the brand new episode of Is This Good? Matty O and JD talking to GQ's Vince Mancini about fighting Mark Zuckerberg, (laughs) collecting baby's teeth, hoarding your own blood, and a whole lot more. That new Is This Good podcast has its own YouTube feed. And, of course, it's on podcast feed on Apple, Spotify, wherever you download and listen to pods. So check it out. Is this good? All right. We got a bunch of NBA news later in this show. Frank Vogel is going to be the Suns head coach. But the Miami Heat have tied the NBA Finals at one game apiece with a thrilling 111-108 victory in Game 2 against the Nuggets last night. Denver led for most of the game. They were in control after three quarters. And then the Heat... Win that fourth quarter, 36-25, to complete the comeback, tie the series. Game three goes Wednesday night. You'll be there in attendance, but... Benvenido a mi There it is. One. Ding. <laughs> um, what'd you think of this Heat victory? What was your big takeaway from this one? Well, somebody called the Southern Lawyer, because we got ourselves a series, mm-hmm. Skeets. You talk about a game of runs. This was kind of the ultimate game of runs. Yep. Heat came out of the gates blazing hot, hitting a whole bunch of threes. Max Struess figured out how to flip his wrist once again. Mm-hmm. 0 for 10 from the field, 0 for 9 from 3 in game 1. Not the case in game 2. He caught fire, made four threes on the night, 14 points, got off to a huge lead. 
Then the Nuggets hit back right away into the second quarter. The compost crew really flipped the game on their heads, I thought. Uh, they were up 50-35, to 35, I think, mm-hmm. at one yep. point. And it kind of felt like the tide had turned completely in Denver's favor. Like, they withstand the run from Miami yep. to start the game. Didn't play well with their starters. The bench was great. It was looking good for Denver. But then in the third quarter, great start for Miami again. Then Jokic catches fire. Then in the fourth quarter, just nobody could miss. That was incredible. Duncan Robinson checks in. Eight straight points. Finishes with 10 in the quarter. Maybe the Duncan Robinson game? Too much was going on, I think, for it to necessarily be the Duncan Robinson game. But it got to be... They took the lead. They had a little bit of a lead, but then just like the game that Denver lost against Minnesota in round one, they scored a whole bunch of points right at the end of the game, had a chance to win it or to tie it at the buzzer and a miss from Jamal Murray. This was an awesome game. Really fun to watch. It never felt like either team was in control, mm-hmm. though I, I'm lying a little bit to myself there. I, th- I thought the Nuggets were in control. Oh, in there the was a quarter. lot of people on playback last night that were right calling there. this game when they went up 15 Definitely. because of the compost crew. There was a lot of people saying, game over, series over. See you next year. No surprise. And, no uh, surprise. That's what Miami wants to hear because whenever you exactly. think they're done and dead, they yeah. say no, 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 and they got right back into but it. But, man, there was so much stuff that happened in this game, all of which needs breaking down. It kind of starts right at the beginning. Kevin Love, he's back, baby. Didn't play a minute in game one. I thought it would be a bit of a risk to bring in a guy who's at the end of his career, a buyout guy, got benched against the Celtics. Like, Kevin Love has not been great Mm -mm. as the Browns have gone on in the playoffs, but him starting was something everybody was talking about after game one. He's big. He's He's big. He's a seriously big guy. Him starting meant that he was guarding Aaron Gordon, and for some reason, the Nuggets just didn't attack Kevin Love. Yep. I think Aaron Gordon could score over Kevin Love. I think he's got the hops on him, but that was obviously not part of the game plan for Denver. The trickle-down effect for that for Miami is that Jimmy Butler got to guard Jamal Murray, Mm -hmm. which I thought was huge. Taking Jamal Murray out of the game was really why I thought the Heat won this one. Jamal finished with, I think, 18 points, 10 assists. Hit some big threes late. Exactly. He hit two threes in the final two and a half minutes, so he had 12 points going into the final two and a half minutes. You'll live with that. They were blitzing him on every single pick and roll. They weren't worried about Jokic catching the ball with a lot of space. Mm -hmm. They were daring him to take the shots. That little split second where Jokic catches the ball and he's like, oh, I don't have to make a play right now. I should score. It just throws Denver a tiny, tiny bit out of rhythm. Yep. They were never able to look like the Nuggets we saw in game one that we saw in the first three rounds of the playoffs. Great stuff by Spo and by Love and by Jimmy just to bring the fight to Denver. Change things up enough to steal a win in Denver. First time they've lost yeah. at home in the postseason. Yeah, it's been a long time since they had even just lost uh, this team because they've been rolling here. Love starting was a hell of a call from Spo. We talked about it after game one when Aaron Gordon was just abusing Gabe Vincent in any sort of cross match and they were just like feeding him inside. He had like six layups slash dunks in that first quarter in game one. So just love being out there. Obviously, Helped out defensively. I thought he played a great defensive game for Kevin Love, too, who's, sure. you know, at this point of his career, maybe never been an elite defender. Doesn't move all that quickly, but he was trying his ass off. He shot two and nine. So you're like, okay, he didn't do a whole lot there, but a couple threes. Grabbed 10 boards, three on the offensive end. And he was a plus 18 in his 22 minutes. So obviously was contributing. Couple maybe, outlet passes. Maybe a couple outlet <laughs> passes. Maybe he was, uh, Spo was, decision was helped out a little bit by Caleb Martin being sick. Yep, as yep, well, yep. obviously, he came off the bench, hit a big three. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think maybe his only shot that he hit, but he had missed practice on Saturday. So, you know, maybe Spo was already thinking about it. Oh, we need more size in there, but 
Maybe once Caleb Martin was sick, he's like, okay, let's just do this. Might as well try it. Now it's like my decision is made for me. It worked. And then, like you said, we talked about, and we'll get into the whole, like, make Jokic a score, make Jokic a score, don't make him an assist man. That's what he wants to do. But it was the Jimmy shutting down Jamal Murray as a team and him specifically with that sort of one-on-one matchup. And and we've said it, along Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. to some extent who had a brutal game. Uh, if you can slow those two guys, you can still live with Jokic scoring 40 to 50 and you can beat this team if you can contain those other two scores, the second and third guy on that squad. And that's what they did and that's why we're tied 1-1. Yeah, 15 shots for Jamal Murray. That's not a ton of attempts, no. uh, all things considered. Three for eight from three, like you said. Two of those came late, so and one of the attempts came late, so I guess one for five. Uh, basically heading into crunch time, you'll live with that. Mm-hmm. The size was definitely bothering Jamal Murray. I think the physicality that Butler brings as well. And then the fact that every time they would run a pick and roll, anytime they were in the two-man game, he was seeing a couple of bodies, just not letting him get free. You got to take away something, and the Heat decided we're taking away Jamal Murray, first and foremost. Yep. And I think it was a great call uh, by Spo. For the 44th time this season, the Heat won a game by five points or less. So they <laughs> they live and die in these situations. They love it. I do think, like, overall, the Nuggets played a very undisciplined game. Yes. And still had a chance to tie it totally. with their final possession. So I guess that's a good sign for them. You said 45 wins? I thought it was 44. but 44, maybe. They, have, they have, like, 57 wins total this season. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Every win is in a close that's, game. That's actually unbelievable. It's to nuts. Me. I think they may have set the all-time record when you count the postseason for the most victories yep. by five or less. Um, but yeah, the Nuggets, undisciplined. Number of ways, I thought. Overly aggressive on closeouts. Um, they may want to practice that. You may want to go back to fundamentals, how to close out on a three-point shooter. How many times Last time I foul? checked, you don't not... Well, yeah, you don't foul Contavious Caldwell-Pope twice yep. doing that. But you also and Jamal Murray does this a lot, just screams out there and jumps in the air, and the Heat are like, ready for that? Yep. So you can just take a dribble to the side, or obviously then you're playing uh, five on four because the defender's flown by. Like, maybe close out, Mm -hmm. like you're sort of taught in high school a little bit better. So there was that. They were getting picked apart, especially with Lowry and Bam in the pick and roll. In that fourth quarter, there was the one where Bam hit a jumper. There was another one when Bam kicked it out to Jimmy Butler, who created something off the N1. That started with Lowry and Bam pick and roll. And then there was the dunk that Bam threw mm-hmm. down, uh, where Michael Porter Jr., I think, fouled him. That was off one, too. But the, the cohesiveness there, physicality from the Nuggets against that set was lacking, for sure. And good on the Heat to exploit that. Then there's dumb turnovers as well. Nuggets were... You know, had a couple of those that led to easy buckets from Miami and fast break. And, yeah, Michael Porter Jr., it's I mean, talk bad, about man. undisciplined. I mean, he was forcing things offensively. The blinders were definitely on. There was many times where he missed an open guy because he wanted to take his shot, and he was struggling once again. And then he looked like Michael Porter Jr. of old with being checked out on the defensive oh, end. Yeah. And I think th- these comments from Michael Malone after the game were really directed at him. And I think Jamal Murray, to some extent, too, who did a lot of these poor closeouts. He was getting beat by Duncan Robinson at the start of that fourth quarter as he blew by him. Those two specifically, forget the offense, they were not in sync there defensively. And I think that was giving Malone flashbacks to Michael Porter Jr. especially of like, this is why I couldn't play you. Totally. This is why I took you off. Yep. And Um, this is, uh, well, it'll be interesting to see if, how he handles it, uh, in terms of the playing time and just, like, frustration on Michael Porter Jr.'s part. He played the fewest minutes of the starters, just 26 minutes, scored five points on two of eight shooting. And that's the thing. Porter has given a great effort on defense, 
Not in this game, though. No. I totally agree with you. He there was, was that. Um, I think it was Vincent who hit the three from the left wing. It was the play when Jimmy drove baseline. He stepped out of bounds. Porter was helping on the baseline. Yeah, yeah. But he kicks it out. Jimmy kicks it out to Vincent, and Porter's just like basically walking. Yeah. Walking out to the three point line. Vincent knocks it down. Instant timeout from Mike Malone. I said to my mom, oh, he, this guy's going to get yelled at big time. And then Jeff Van Gundy said to Mark Jackson, oh, this guy's going to get yelled at big <laughs> yeah. time. If Porter's not scoring, you can't live with bad defense. Right. Like right. if he's giving you because then just put in Bruce Brown fine. or put in Christian Brown. Exactly. If yeah. you want somebody to miss a three, Bruce Brown can do it too. He went one for three last yeah. night. At least he was aggressive driving to the hoop. This was a bad Porter game. This was a bad KCP game. You give him a little bit more leeway, I think, because he does have the other side of the ball where he's got to be guarding Jimmy. That's a little bit exhausting mm-hmm. for sure. But you need some three point shooting from KCP and Michael Porter Jr. And you need. MPJ to play like it's the finals once again because that was just a poor effort uh, defensively which has not been the case for the most of this playoffs. Yeah, you're right. I mean, many times you've like He's pointed out how great he has yep. been defensively, but not this one. Uh, he was like in, in no man's land. He seemed just completely checked out of any sort of rotations. There were a couple yep. times where you could see Nuggets teammates going are you awake here? I mean, oh. that's that's your rotation. That's your help. Uh, and then he wasn't giving them anything offensively as well. I just think it'll be fascinating to see you know, you don't want to lose Michael Porter Jr., like mentally I'm talking about here, but Malone also has to, there's got to be some tough love. Like, we can't play you if you're not going to, like, if you're lollygagging sure. and all that. So, yeah, the minutes go down, and will he just, like, have a quicker hook and go to at least a fiery Bruce Brown or, like, even Christian Brown, who I thought was the opposite of Michael Porter Jr. Like, every time he was in there, there was, like, his hand was on the ball. There was a deflection. There was good things happening, and the compost crew was actually awesome there in that in that run first that half took the lead yeah first half good a, a good compost crew and uh, kind of Christian Brown emblematic emblematic of that I would say you're right he had incredible competitiveness on the defensive end his athleticism looked like a huge asset to the Nuggets he was scoring in the weirdest ways like there was that loose ball he just somehow ends up with it hits a floater second half a little yeah. out of sorts I do believe as was everyone else on the compost crew Jeff Green was He's seeing Duncan Robinson in his nightmares last night. Seeing him back cut him for an easy layup. Yep. That was uh, some ugly stuff from Jeff as well. Yeah, Duncan Robinson did take over that fourth quarter. Hit a, a couple threes there. Obviously got inside. Yeah, yeah, ten points. Ten points in like five minutes, and that like <laughs> got the Heat back in control of the game. Uh, and that was sometimes when uh, you know Jokic wasn't out there as well. Miami in the fourth quarter shot six for seven on twos, five for nine on threes, nine for ten at the line. They had nine assists on eleven makes there. Again, I loved the Lowry and Bam pick and roll action. Shu had them down as 36 points on basically 19 possessions. There is really a 20th possession in there that almost shouldn't count. But Shu said that would be the most efficient fourth quarter for any team in any game this season. That's how good they were. That's pretty impressive. Efficient wise, but still, any game this season. I think it may have been any game of the last two seasons in the fourth quarter. But look at—I mean, I just went through the numbers. They barely missed. Yeah, that's true. And then the Nuggets could barely miss as the game went on. Yeah, uh, which is why we had this back and—not really back and forth, but them chipping into the lead and just everybody scoring and nobody being able to get the stops. You mentioned the Bam Lowry pick and roll. Bam is playing an incredible series right now. Yep. Twenty-one points last night, nine rebounds, only four assists. I wonder how many secondary assists. I'm sure it's on NBA.com. I didn't look because I'm a fool, but I bet it's got to be about four. It seems like he's basically their Jokic right now. Jimmy brings the ball up for the most part, but then they're getting into the two-man game with Bam and Jimmy or with Bam and Lowry, the dribble handoff game. What the Nuggets need to do is like make him feel any sort of pressure. Bam is catching the ball in space. Last night, 
he made a really good adjustment to get to the rim mm-hmm. rather than pull up for the little 8-10 to 10 footer like we saw in Game 1. A lot of the Heat players after Game 1 said, we took too many jumpers. We need to get to the rim. Bam took five free throws last night. The Nuggets like to play a drop with Jokic because he's not the most fleet of foot. Surely yeah. Bam has the speed advantage. But they're giving Bam way too much room to operate because he is the hub of their offense, just like Jokic is yep. for the Nuggets. So when Bam catches the ball, they got to make him see a body. Uh, they got to make him feel something rather than have his plethora of options uh, to look for. But I have been really impressed with the way he's been holding it down in this series. We <laughs> said he was an X factor. He needs to be aggressive offensively, and he has not let up one bit. Absolutely. And he was even stepping up uh, after the game uh, for post-game, like, on-court interviews. I think he had to take one of Jimmy's because Jimmy bounced. Yeah. I don't think Bam was happy about having to do two, but uh, yeah. even <laughs> picking up the slack funny. after the game. Uh, after His se- only bad play was when he, like, chucked an alley-oop. <laughs> So hard off the glass. That was amazing. Well, the best part about that was the broadcast uh, tracking data thought it was a shot. (laughs) Yeah, popped up 24 24 feet. feet. It was like, nope, that was was a weird alley-oop attempt that then came right back to him. chucked it. Um, After setting an NBA playoff record by attempting just two free throws in Game 1, yeah, the Heat took 20 from the charity stripe at Game 2, and they made 18 of them as well. I mean, those were all big. Bam hit two big free throws. Oh, yeah. Like, really clutch free throws that... Uh, let's be honest, a lot of centers, at least in this league, are probably splitting, yep. or if not missing both, so that was big. He, he's been awesome, in especially in Game 2, the balance of, hey, the jumper's there, I still have to take it. I have to be a threat with mm-hmm. it, but let's roll a little harder, let's put some pressure on the rim, and uh, let's continue to play make, and a part of that is how the defense is playing him. He was awesome. Let's talk about Jokic. Because he has the 41 points in this game, we've talked a lot about Honestly, your best chance is, like, try and let him score a ton. Take away everybody else if you can. And that conversation, I guess, continued after the game. Spolstra, this clip making the rounds, Ramona Shelburne of ESPN asking him about this idea, and he had a bit of a curt response, but we'll break it down after this clip. Let's roll it. Hey, Coach. Ramona Shelburne, ESPN. Uh, this is probably oversimplifying things, but sometimes when, when teams play against Jokic, you, you turn him into a scorer, you turn him into a passer, and he controls the game. You, he only had four assists tonight. Yeah, that, that's, that's ridiculous. You know, it's just... That's the untrained eye that, that says something like that. This guy's an incredible player. You know, twice in two seasons, he's been the best player on this planet. You can't just say... <laughs> Oh, make him a score. <laughs> That's not how they play. They they have so many different actions that just get you compromised. Uh, we have to focus on what we do. Um, you know, we try to do things the hard way, um, and he requires you to do many things the hard way. Uh, and we, he has our full respect. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Coach. <laughs> okay. Okay. So... <laughs> There's sort of a lot to unpack here from from Spoh's comments and, and Ramona's questions. What, what do you think of that exchange? And then and then we can get into the actual conversation that Ramona's asking about of like, and that Spoh is shooting down, but of trying to make him more of a scorer and whether that's successful or not. What do you, what do you think? I don't know. I mean, Jokic only finished with four assists last night. That's a low number for Nikola Jokic. Now, the Nuggets only shot 11 for 28 from three. So they goes, didn't shoot a so great hand in percentage, hand. Yeah. so he could certainly have more assists. Yeah. But it felt like, watching the game with my untrained eyes, that <laughs> <laughs> that the Heat were definitely more concerned with Jamal Murray going yes. off. Which was leaving Jokic pretty open for some shots. You look at the fourth or the third quarter when he went for 18. 
He was dominating. He was getting the ball every single time, and Jokic was in score mode after the first half where he was a little bit score mode, a little bit distribution. It definitely felt to me like they were more okay with Jokic looking for a shot rather than creating for everybody. And I think it's, to Spolstra's point, he's probably thinking we are doing so much more out there than just letting one guy get open, than letting the MVP get open to shoot shots. Right, right. That's not what they're doing. But they are playing in a way that takes other things away from Denver, which leaves more scoring opportunities for Jokic. So it's kind of like hand in hand, I do think. Uh, But clearly, Jokic scored 41 points. He scored a lot last night, and they lost. And, that's, and they usually lose when he scores a lot of points. That's exactly right. So how could that not be the better game plan? Now you can say, like Spoh's saying, that's not our game plan because yeah. you can't game plan against a two-time MVP. Like, he's going to do what he wants. But you pointed it out well. You can try and take away the other guys, thus leaving him more open, thus making him consider shooting more. And it feels like, and it's small sample size, I get it, it's proven to be your best chance to beat this team. They're now... 0-3 when he scores 40 or more points in the playoffs. There's that one against the Wolves where he had 43. They storm back. They lose in overtime. He has 53 points on 20 for 30 shooting. Totally. That's the other thing. Forget the scoring. Keep your eye on the shot attempts. That's the real thing to me. But that was a loss to the Suns. And then this one, 41 in defeat with only the four assists. They were 3-7 and seven in the regular season when Jokic had six or fewer assists. So that's key as well. Now, you said it, Trey. The low number of assists... It turns out you need guys to hit shots to get the assist. So it's not like he's suddenly like stops passing the ball. It's the guys were struggling. But maybe that is the other defenders staying a little closer to those guys, you know, obviously trying to take them away and blitz Jamal Murray like we talked about off the top. So yeah, I don't get like people were sort of dunking on Ramona Shelburne for Spoh's response to her. Even though, by the way, this had come up a couple other times when they were talking to the Nuggets uh, coaching staff and players, this idea of, like, Jokic as a scorer versus Jokic as a passer. But, you know, because people hear the untrained eye, they think it's, like, code for casual, you know, <laughs> you don't know shit. And nobody knows as much as Spo. Nobody's saying Absolutely. that. But I also think he's sandbagging everybody because he wants to continue to, like, build up Jokic. Like, there's, you know, no bulletin board material. And I think he knows... And that this is our best chance to win. Make this guy shoot 25 to 30 times. It just takes the team out of rhythm a little bit more. That's not how they play. Right. Right. So anyway, I thought it was a great question. I'm glad she asked it. I love Spoh's response. It's gold. He never gives away anything no, in a press conference. He's, he's all he's like when you ask times. him about possible adjustments for the next game, he's like, it all comes down to heart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we just got to play harder. <laughs> You're going to change some things up. We saw it, buddy. Yeah. He wouldn't even say that Kevin Love was starting. No, yes, no. In the press pre-gamers, and hell, Tyler Hero could be back for Game Three. Tass was there in Denver. He jumped on playback at halftime last night. He's like, I thought he was playing in Games One and Two the way he looked. <laughs> you know, you see him in warmups and stuff like that, and he appears healthy there with the hand. Uh, so maybe we see him in Game Three. That's a whole debate in and of itself. Now, do you do you bring him back? Do you do you mess with what's working here? It feels like you could use some obviously shooting, especially from the mid-range area. The bench was bad. I, I mean, the bench him. was probably not great for the Heat. Yeah. Everybody was a minus, though Duncan Robinson obviously turned it on in the fourth quarter and really flipped the game. Duncan Robinson basically playing like Tyler Hero, <laughs> hitting threes, putting the ball on the floor, scoring at the hoop, uh, assisting even. Uh, I think you would rather just have more players who can play. So 
you don't have to start Tyler Hero and play him 40 minutes. No. You can start him and give him like a five-minute run in the first half of game three, see how it goes, see if he earns another five minutes in the second half, yep. and go from there. I think that's right. And I think that's what's going to happen, actually, if I'm, a, if I'm a guessing man for game three on Wednesday night in Miami. You're saying that's the last bucket hat we've seen? Yeah, might just be buckets from here on out for Tyler Hero. <laughs> Trading bucket hats Ooh, for buckets. I think Mark Jackson will say that on the call. He could say that. He could say no, that. No, if he catches fire, yeah. he plays. Traded buckets. <laughs> Traded in a bucket hat for buckets. Yeah, I could definitely see him saying that. Uh, what else you got from this game or this series? Uh, there was a lot of talk about should the Nuggets have taken a timeout on their last play. They're okay. down by three. Yeah, they yeah. get the rebound with 11 yeah. seconds yeah. left or something like that. Lots of time. Yeah, lots of time. They get the ball up. Not much is happening. Murray kind of backs up a little bit. Maybe that's when you take a timeout. But for me, I don't think you're guaranteed to get a better shot. No, than they, what Murray they, just they ran pick and roll with Jokic. You're going to get that's a two-man game anyway. with those two guys. Yeah. You're going to try and get a three. He just made two of them mm-hmm. in the last three minutes. 26 feet, like it's far, but it's 2023, man. People make shots from that far. He didn't miss it by much. All the time. Yeah, yeah. And also, if you call a timeout, you're giving Spo and the Heat a chance to completely set up and yeah. then think, hey, should we foul here? Should we yeah. talk it through and figure out what we're going to do? Uh, so I think I was fine with the way that went down. They got a good look. They got a good look. I mean, if anything, Jamal sort of bobbled the ball. Jimmy, like, yeah. I couldn't tell. Did Jimmy actually make contact with the ball or was that with just a sloppy handle there from Jamal? But it's sort of like he still got to his spot. You know, maybe it was a little deeper than he would have liked. But, yeah, still got a shot off. Jimmy couldn't play it too, too tight because yep. he didn't want to foul, which we had seen a couple times in this game on the three-point shot. But, yeah, I had no real issue with it, mainly because they got what I think they would have exactly wanted after a timeout. <laughs> they're two man, yep. they're two superstars, uh, you know, running the play. I guess you could argue, like, you'd like to see Jokic touch it, really. Sure. Okay. Okay. But you're going to need a three anyway. Uh, and Jamal Murray is going to be a guy you're trusting after he banged home two, like big ones. How about that rebound that Jokic grabbed the offensive board and then kicked it right out to Jamal. Perfect in the shooting spot, and he banged that one home. That was huge. Um, So, yeah, no real issues with it. Yeah, I was the same. Uh, What else? Jimmy Butler. We haven't really talked much about Jimmy Butler. 21 points, 7 of 19 shooting. Doesn't seem to have great touch right now, but he got to the line five times, which was good, and nine assists I thought was huge. Yeah. He was playing drive-and-kick game. It seemed more so to me than necessarily uh, trying to score. Maybe in the fourth quarter, he realized i got to make some plays here, get to the actual rim. He had eight in the fourth quarter, but I think it's pretty impressive for the Heat to win a game on the road with Jimmy having an average game, like a B, a B kind of game, really. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. I think they're hoping especially now with Love back in the starting lineup, like you said, putting Jimmy on Jamal Murray. It's like, hey, man, put all your focus and your energy for like three quarters at least into stopping him, trying to contain Kitchener's finest, and then bring us home at the end. Put your head down. And that's what he did. Because he hit that corner three was huge. Oh, yeah. That was big. It was like five or six minutes to go in the game. And then he definitely hit a jumper. There was the and one that I talked about out of the Bam and Lowry pick and roll action. And then he hit a jumper where Jokic had, you know, dropped back and, he stepped into it. He wasn't, like, fading at all. He, he did that classic Jimmy thing where he just popped straight up, and he banged that one home. So he came through in the end, but you're right, not an elite game. Like, does he have another 40-point game in him, though? I, You know, you see him hobbled, you, uh, fatigue. He doesn't sure look the same as the first round, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, but you got contributions from everybody else. Four threes from Vincent, four from Struess, two from Love, two from Lowry. Caleb Martin hit a huge one Big late. one. <laughs> 
He's looking like the Celtics, Caleb Martin for that one play only. And then Duncan Robinson obviously was huge with two on the road. That's big time. Yeah, the Heat shot 17 for 35, basically 49% from deep. It's going to really help your chances to win one of these games. That's a big reason why, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like, I didn't think this was going to be a sweep because of the way the Heat have been shooting the three-pointer all postseason. It's like, that's in theory, going to win them a game or two, if not more, if you're a Heat fan and believe you got a chance now. So, yeah, it was nice to see Struess after that brutal game one. Got rid of that in a hurry because he banged home whatever it was, like his first three or four there in the uh, first quarter of game two, and that was was big. Uh, What else? What do you think about the anthem? Did you catch the saxophone anthem? I didn't hear the anthem. Pure sax. Pure sax. (laughs) Pure sax. It was all right. It was just one man on a saxophone. One man. Just one, one man s- in sunglasses on a sax. Sunglasses? I think he was. Okay. Correct me if I'm wrong. Bluesy, I guess. Uh, no Ken Jeong. No win. <laughs> <laughs> they did have more Nuggets legends there, though. Saw Alex English. Yes. Was in the crowd. Yes. That was the most notable name. Was LaFonso Ellis there? Too? I, I think so, yeah. yeah. LaFonso Ellis. But uh, no Denver Ken. Ken no. the Nuggets are done for. <laughs> too bad, man. That was your chance. Had a chance to be the Denver Nuggets celebrity fan. Oh, so if the story it. was true that Ken Jeong paid for his own ticket to sit courtside in game one, you think the Nuggets maybe should have ponied up and said, come on back, man. Come on, Ken. We got th- this one's on us. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with you, you on that. You don't want to mess with the vibes. Uh, what do you think about the, well, a lot of people think the missed call on the goaltend there. Pretty light in this game where I guess it was Jamal with the floater. Big and then, floater. Bam, went up. And got credit for the block. And your uh, replay showed that that was probably coming down. I thought that was a goaltend. Yeah. I definitely thought Jimmy Butler stepped out of bounds on a three-pointer. that too. I think the Nuggets probably have a beef with the officiating, if I'm being quite honest. There was that sequence, I think, in the third quarter where there was like three back-to-back-to-back plays where they were all out of bounds and they were all off Jokic. And every single one he came up like, what is going on, man? Yeah, yeah. Maybe one of them. What should have been uh, Nuggets ball, but I think they got him mostly right. But man, you could tell the officiating I thought was a little bit in the Nuggets head more so than it has been at any point in the playoffs so far. And I actually kind of think they did a bad job, but I do. Too. I don't. Well, think there was that's a stretch in this lost. game yeah. where both teams were whining. Totally. So that's when you know the officiating is yeah. not all that great. It, it was maybe it was the third quarter. It was at some point like both teams. It felt like every play were complaining about the call about who it was out yep. on or whether it was a foul or not, and it was coming from all directions. So, yeah, it was not a great game for, who was it, Zarba, Kirkland, and was it Guthrie? I don't know. Yeah, it might have been a Guthrie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah not, the, not the greatest work we've yeah, seen. Yeah. But that was very a very choppy second half, I thought. That, that goaltending or missed goaltending, I mean, ended up being pretty big when you get to the yeah, final man. score. <laughs> That's two points right there uh, that should have counted for Denver. But, yeah, they missed that one. Though, apparently, I guess VAR's coming. Oh. VAR, baby. For things like this. Threes and twos. Like all this tracking, all this camera. Yeah, I know. How will it do? I don't know. Like Apex type thing coming down? Well, I thought that Murray would just get the call because he shot it so high. Yeah. Like that was a lot of float on that floater. Yep. Kudos to Bam for actually being able to have the hops to get up to block it. But when you see a shot shot that high, you got to assume it's coming down because nobody has a 40 million foot vertical no and then like generally they'll call it a goaltend they yeah, do the opposite totally like, they sort of almost cover their asses in a bit of the way like they say yep. well that's goaltend probably <laughs> even though it's like very difficult to call in real time but yeah they didn't and they yep. let game uh, continue there uh, my only other note had a good old laugh with kevin love hugging gabe vincent oh i'm sorry man a full-on just great hug after he missed him in the corner 
didn't even look to my left. You were wide open, Gabe. You've been awesome. Gabe Vincent. He's balling. He's playing so incredibly well during this entire postseason. Uh, and, you know, at times we, like, point it out. But for the most part, I think it goes overlooked because he's just been so consistent. Yeah, he uh, led the Heat in scoring. I know. And he just now came up. Yeah, he's 23 been good. points. Amazing. But anyway, I love missed him. He could have had another three there. He probably would have banged that one home the way he's shooting. Yeah, didn't Mark, wasn't Mark Jackson like, I don't know if you should be hugging just for missing a guy in the corner. He thought that was much. <laughs> well, Michael Porter Jr.'s got a lot of hugs to give. Mm. He owes one to Jamal Murray. <laughs> Certainly. Jamal Murray was wide open in the right corner yep. uh, on one of these Michael Porter Jr. attempts. So, I don't know. You know, there was once that study of the team that high fives the most is the most connected and the best team. <laughs> That's why Steve Nash won two MVPs. Yeah. He was the best high-fiver yeah. in the league. Never I wonder title. if there's similar effects for hugging. Mm. You know? Oh, that's next the level. The team that hugs the most wins the most. That was a nice hug. That was, that a nice was nice. Moment. Uh, any other random notes? From I'm out, two? man. All right. Yeah, I think we nailed it. Okay, here's my final question. And we have a couple days to talk about this more. Like I said, you're headed to Miami. Tass will be back. So we'll get his thoughts. But, like, has your opinion about this series changed at all? I assume it hasn't because you had Nuggets in six just like me. Um, and if that was your prediction, the Heat beating the Nuggets in Denver was probably part of that equation. But, yeah, what do you think? Is Are the Heat in control? Are the Heat going to win this again? What, what does TK think? Or are you not overreacting? I'm not overreacting. I'm still sticking with the Nuggets. I still I have Nuggets in six certainly still in play, so mm-hmm. why change it? But, you know, it's kind of funny. When you look at this, either team could be like, we should be up 2-0 in this series, yes, right? Yes. Like, Miami could have won game one. I, it was definitely a furious comeback in the fourth quarter to make it look respectable, but if they get better shooting in the first half, if they get better performances from Struess, Robinson, and Vincent like they did in game two, they yeah. could have easily stolen game one. And then, clearly, game two was there for winning for Denver as well. So, I think both teams are probably just like, this is what we expected. Miami ain't going to fall over, you know, Yeah. for as few answers as they have for Jokic, which it's true. Nobody has a real answer for him. They're going to figure out everything else mm-hmm. and go from there. So coming back to two, I can see that being pretty realistic. Yeah, it's very exciting. I'm glad we have a 1-1 series. It makes it always a little more entertaining because, you know, if the Denver Nuggets had pulled that off, like let's say Murray hits that three, they go into overtime, they win it. I'd be telling you Heat in five. The mood, Nuggets in five. Yeah, the mood. I think there'd be a lot more people even saying yep. Nuggets in four. But uh, now it's uh, very, very interesting here. So game three, Wednesday night. We'll be back on playback. That's 8.30 p.m. Eastern start. And uh, we'll be looking for Trey Kirby in attendance. You'll have to uh, hopefully get on. Hopefully the Wi-Fi is good in the Heat Arena. You can jump on mm-hmm. playback during halftime. Give us a report. Certainly. I don't know what um, Kaseya is. <laughs> yeah, the Kaseya Center. But if it's Wi-Fi... I hope it's good. (laughs) Okay, good. If it's Wi-Fi, their Wi-Fi should be good. We'll find out. All right, let's take our first break. And when we come back, a whole bunch of NBA news. Don't go anywhere. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. 
claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply. All right. Talked about game two of the NBA Finals. Let's talk about some other NBA news. The Phoenix Suns are finalizing a five-year, about $31 million deal with Frank Vogel to hire him as their new head coach. Uh, Vogel emerged from a finalist group that included former 76ers coach Doc Rivers, new 76ers coach Nick Nurse, Kings assistant Jordy Fernandez, and Suns assistant Kevin Young. Bill Simmons, you lied to me. You said it was going to be Kevin. But he is now the top-paid assistant with the Suns. But Vogel is the head coach. He's got that 2020 NBA championship uh, with the Lakers and does have a pretty good history of um, constructing really good defenses, Yes, which may be what the Suns are going to be focusing on here along with their offensive firepower in Booker and KD. What do you think? I feel like it has been so long since Frank Vogel has been a coach, and he actually coached last season. Like, his last season was the 2022 season, Skates. Holy. That's unbelievable to me, actually. <laughs> it felt like he'd been out of the game for five years. I was like, they're bringing back Frank Vogel? Yeah, it does feel No, longer. he's a pretty recent coach. He won a title in 2020, like yep. you said. Uh, yeah, I think Vogel is a good coach. Maybe, like, not the most inspiring name if you're looking at the variety of names that were available at the start of coaching carousel season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like you said, he's a great defensive coach. He's gotten some pretty... Solid performances out of centers, which I think is big. Roy Hibbert became a star in the NBA true. under Frank Vogel for that brief period of time. The championship team that L.A. had in the 2020 season based a lot around huge big guys. Anthony Davis, obviously, but Dwight Howard was there. JaVale McGee was there, and they were a great defensive team. Yeah. So you got to think maybe this is a positive impact for DeAndre Ayton. At the very least, there's no beef now between DeAndre Ayton and his head coach starting fresh yep. with Frank Vogel. Let's see what he does, uh, because I think he's a pretty good coach. I think his teams have been pretty solid, all things considered. Um, I don't really got any other Frank talk. Yeah, I mean, Vogel's specialty is no doubt defense. During his 10 seasons as a head coach, his defenses have ranked in the top 10 seven times, including three seasons at number one. That twice happened with Indiana and then once with L.A. And he definitely has experience, because of the teams he coached, of building around superstar wings, which is really what the Suns have in, you know, KD and Booker. He did it with Paul George, did it with LeBron. True, um, true. So he should be comfortable with those type of superstars at those positions. And, yeah, we'll go from there. And like I said, Kevin Young is staying with this team too. He's reportedly going to be getting more than $2 million annually. Not bad. Sure. For an assistant coach. And, again, you know, Simmons and a lot of people thought he was going to take over, but I think that's a part of the equation here is that the Suns' players, their superstars especially, really – respect Kevin Young and don't want to see him go anywhere. So now they got, they got in theory, if you look at it this way, Vogel's the defensive coach, head coach, and then Kevin Lug, Kevin Young, excuse me, can continue to sort of focus on the offensive things, which is apparently his specialty. So yeah, Frank back in our lives. So Frank, he wasn't barely gone all that long. I'm with you. It felt longer. <laughs> it felt longer uh, for sure. He sat out one season and now he's back coaching a team that could be in the finals next year. We shall see. I'm not surprised though, that they chose, a vet over a young guy like Kevin Young, especially as a non-player. Like, I'm thinking back in history, finals contenders who bring in a first-time coach, like the Cavs did it, with Ty Lue. He was a guy that was right there on their bench. A former player, though, so maybe he gets a little bit more cred for that. But 
made sense to me that it was Vogel over uh, and not established guy yet. Fair enough. All right. Team USA's roster for the upcoming FIBA World Cup uh, starting to take shape, according to The Athletic. Our guys there, we've got Wolves all-star Anthony Edwards, Pacers all-star Tyrese Halliburton, Lakers shooting guard Austin Reeves, Nets small forward Mikhail Bridges, and Bucks forward Bobby Portis having committed to play for Team USA this summer. Uh, training camp starts August 3rd, and I think this whole thing gets underway in late August. We'll hopefully be doing some uh, coverage here at No Dunks, maybe some playbacks as well, though they were telling me last night these games are going to be stupid early. They're in the Philippines? Yeah. yeah. What's the time difference? I mean, uh, drastic. Like, I think we're going to be like, it's going to be very early breakfast ball if we're doing playbacks. <laughs> All right, so it's te- a 12-hour difference. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, anyway. <laughs> breakfast ball. Edwards, Halliburton, Reeves, Bridges, Bobby, thoughts? Gold medal. Really? I think Canada's going to beat them. Mm. <laughs> when, when has Team USA ever come up short in the FIBA World Cup? <laughs> yeah. Oh, 2019? <laughs> yeah, when they finished seventh. Seventh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Greg Popovich started the tank job to get Victor Wembanyama. <laughs> Team USA. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. They lost to France. <laughs> Ran a play for Miles Turner. Interesting. Uh, but no, this is cool. I saw. I separated uh, the six players that were announced into surprising and not surprising. My unsurprising players: Edwards, Halliburton, Bridges, Brunson. They're ascendant stars right oh, now. I didn't even say Brunson. Yeah, okay, Jalen yeah. Brunson also in the mix. Uh, but Reeves and Portis were a little bit of a surprise to me. Mm-hmm. Reeves obviously has certainly increased his stock around the league, especially after the way he played in the playoffs this year. And then Bobby Portis, I was pretty surprised uh, to get the call just because he's a sixth man, you know, and he's pretty far along into his career. He's a veteran at this point. Is he over 30? He could be. He might be close. He's got to be close. Uh, But yeah, I was surprised to see that he was a guy. But one thing that Team USA always needs is bigs who can stretch the floor. And Bobby can definitely do that. He's also a tough guy, which I think certainly helps. So yeah, let's see what they do. Six in the morning. See you on playback. Bobby Porter's 28. Okay. Okay. Uh, 28 in 115 days. Yep. So not even like all that close to 29. This is the first World Cup Olympic cycle for Grant Hill and Steve Kerr right. in their respective positions. Hill uh, taking over for Jerry Colangelo as the managing director. Kerr was an assistant under Pop uh, on the past two American teams, but he's the head coach now. Americans are great uh, when it comes to the Olympics. Yes. Uh, <laughs> got uh, I guess they're the four-time defending Olympic gold medalist, but yeah, last... Last couple World Cups have not been great, especially that 2019, where they finished seventh. Yeah. Lost a couple times there in, uh, was that in China? So, yeah, they want to bounce back here. But, yeah, there's some good names here. Um, and I'm with you. The surprises to me are the Bobby and Reeves. But I didn't even see that Jalen Brunson news. Also, like, is Dame playing? Is Kevin Durant playing? Is Tatum playing? Like, the the superstars. Like, sure. the next level up from a lot of these guys. I mean, some of these guys are all-stars, but they're young. But you want to get them in the system, too, and get them the experience in the international game. So that makes sense. So, yeah, good stuff there from Team USA. Knicks all-star Julius Randle making some news this weekend. He underwent arthroscopic surgery on his left ankle, and he is expected to be ready for Knicks training camp in the fall. This was the team announcing this. You might recall that he played through two pretty significant ankle sprains in the in the final stages, I guess, of the Knicks season. But in the end... Um, they decide, let's get that surgery, let's get it early, and he could, in theory, or hopefully be back for a training camp. Yeah, I guess he was really, really hurt. Yeah. And it kind of showed, uh, because during this regular season, Julius Randle played the first 77 games, had that first ankle sprain that took him out of the last five of the regular right. season, then another in the playoffs, and he just was not the same player. 
During the regular season, 25 points per game, 46% shooting. In the playoffs, 16 points per game, 37% shooting. So now when you look back at the Heat beating the Knicks, it doesn't feel like an upset at all. And they were having their second most important player playing through a pretty significant injury. I guess the good news is that he should be ready for camp Mm -hmm. next year. Uh, And then hopefully he's able to have no setbacks or anything like that or any subsequent ankle injuries. Yeah. It's pretty crazy when you look at his stats. That guy averaged 25, 10, and 4. He was awesome in the regular <laughs> Those season. Really, he was all-NBA, right? Really good yeah. numbers. Yeah. Third team. Um, yeah, he's a two-time all-NBA player now, and, and obviously a two-time all-star, and he won most improved a couple years ago. But, yeah, and he played a lot up until that injury and obviously had an effect on him. And Brunson was, like, you know, really banged up, too, yep. in that in that run against the Heat. Um, but it's a good point. We look back now, and it doesn't feel like an upset at all. I mean, the Heat beat the Bucks. He beat the Celtics. <laughs> yeah. He might win the freaking title. So, of course, they would beat the Knicks, but I took New York. <laughs> and they were favorites in that series. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that was that was sort of disappointing how their season ended, but makes a little more sense with your, your stars there being so banged up. And, yeah, obviously getting surgery right away, really. Yeah. Uh, shows you he's paying through, playing through quite a bit of pain, probably. Absolutely. Randall plays a lot, though. 71 yeah. games in the 21 season, 72 in 22 season, and then the first 77 this year before sitting out right at the end. So I wonder if maybe he'll be on a little bit of a management plan yeah. uh, coming off of surgery. With Tibbs as the head coach? He doesn't like the managing. No, <laughs> no, 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 not no. managing that. Maybe uh, top in time. Uh, following the trend of current and former NBA players, Hawks all-star guard Trey Young has joined the new media by starting his own podcast. The premiere episode featured Trey reflecting on the Hawks season, his thoughts on the NBA finals, his friendship with Michael Porter Jr., I think this idea that he's going to shoot more three-pointers, or at least uh, better three-pointers, uh, in the upcoming season with Quinn Snyder as the head coach for the full time. But here he is. We got another guy joining the podcast game. Another, another really good player. We've got quite the All NBA podcast team. Trey Young, CJ McCollum. That's our backcourt. Okay, solid. Paul George at the wing. I think we can put Kevin Durant there. Got to. And Draymond Green, small ball five. That's a, that's a good team. It's a good it's team. It's a playoff team at the very least. You got uh, Duncan Robinson coming off the bench. Okay. I guess you got Pat Bev for some defensive possessions coming off the bench. <laughs> yes. Theo uh, Pinson. And Theo. Just He's there for support. Absolutely. J.J. Redick is the coach. <laughs> sure. Yes. It's a team. That's a team right there. <laughs> Cole uh, Swider. He's there with uh, Theo Pinson. <laughs> he always, has a podcast. I always work. forget about that. Um, have you listened to Trey Young's podcast yet? Or no. no you saw any clips maybe? I won't. I won't listen to the podcast, but I will see the clips. <laughs> like you I'm do with honest, all these? Man. Exactly. Every NBA player podcast, I rarely listen to the actual podcast, but I love the clips. Yeah. Yeah. Paul George in particular, I feel like he's getting the best clips of anybody. I agree. Right now. Everybody's coming on and being so honest with them. The DeRozan one, I might have accidentally listened to the whole podcast. <laughs> I've watched so many of those clips, and I assume it'll be the same uh, for Trey Young getting guys he knows to be honest with him uh Mm. so that should be cool and also if i'm being honest i learned something from trey young being on a podcast with jj reddick once when he was talking about hand strengtheners were part of the reason he was able to shoot from so far oh yeah i ordered hand strengtheners are you still doing this yeah just while you're watching the game just yeah uh, literally every time we're on playback i'm just like this oh wow jesus all right you can learn some things from these uh by the way he's chopping it up with his childhood friend winston that's who Trey's talking to. Winston. Yeah, yeah. Guy he's known for a long time. He's sort of the, the co-host. You know, a lot of these, I can't speak for all of them, but a lot of them have uh, a buddy. Know, a buddy. Yeah. A friend. I guess Draymond really doesn't, does he? He just, 
He just, he just looks at the camera and goes. <laughs> he yeah. doesn't need anybody, anybody no. else to talk. No, no, no. And he has guests on, too. I know there's a clip going around with Steve Kerr. I think they talked after game two. And the adjustments that Spo made with the Kevin Love starting and all that and the trickle-down effect. So, yeah, congrats to Trey Young. Uh, now you got to stay consistent, my man. All right? <laughs> That's right. Don't do this bullshit where you say you got a podcast and you do a podcast and you do maybe another one next week and then we don't hear from you for months. Lock in your schedule and stay committed. All right? We can give you some advice, okay, on how to grow a podcast. But good luck. And if you ever want to come on, hey, come you're record in Atlanta. In the factory. Yeah, come here. Yeah, we could. Hey, we could rent out this space. <laughs> they were just sitting in like I don't know, maybe a house or a hotel room, just sitting yeah. in chairs. That seems to be the classic uh, go-to. Um, sitting in some chairs. Uh, yeah, podcast look. Sitting in chairs. Sitting in chairs. Yeah, come on over, Trey. Double trays. Two trays. Two trays. One neon sign. No, no, no. <laughs> we can work on that. We'll Photoshop that. Photoshop that. I mean, brainstorm that. Yeah, we'll, Photoshop that. <laughs> we'll start Photoshopping it, too. All right. That's the NBA news. Uh, we got to take one more break. And when we come back, uh, we've got a must-see tweet of the night. Been doing a bunch of retirement planning stuff lately. So I've had documents flying in and out the mailbox. A lot of signatures, both analog and digital. A lot of phone calls, a lot of stamps. Got to get my long-term future straight. Yeah. Let me tell you, Skeets. The things we build our future around are the things worth protecting. Making an estate plan now means gaining security of your assets and peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Watch your assets. With Trust and Will, you can create and manage a custom estate plan starting at just $199. Go to trustandwill.com slash nodunks for 10% off plus free document shipping. Trust and Will's website is simple to use and the process is straightforward. In no time, you'll have peace of mind that your assets and wishes are secure with easy access and control of your estate planning. Each will or trust is state-specific and customized to your needs. Whether it be care wishes, nomination guardians, final arrangements, or power of attorney, it's easy to ensure your family and loved ones avoid lengthy, expensive legal proceedings or the state deciding what happens to your assets. Secure your assets and protect your loved ones with trust and will. Get 10% off plus free shipping of your estate plan documents by visiting trustandwill.com slash nodunks. That's 10% off and free shipping at trustandwill.com slash nodunks. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, still here in the Classic Factory. If you're joining us live on YouTube, hit that like button. Make sure you subscribe. Got some more coaching news that just came across the wire. 
Former Houston Rockets coach Steven Silas has agreed to join the Detroit Pistons and new coach Monty Williams as the top assistant coach. So Silas uh, was a hot name there. Everybody wanted him on the staff. I think the Mavs wanted him, the Warriors, the Hornets, but he elects to go with Monty Williams to Detroit. So putting together a nice little coaching staff there in Detroit. Sure. Two guys with a former coaching experience. Dwayne Casey is now a front office guy, yep. right? So they got a solid little brain trust going on um, in Detroit and very expensive one as well. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> they just signed Monty to the biggest coaching deal of all time, right? Yep. Dwayne is now up. They're just hiring big-time assistant coaches <laughs> yeah. who formerly were uh, NBA coaches. They're paying for it. They're paying to get a brain trust, but maybe it will work. Got to get an identity, though. Get that's a exactly right. Got to get a culture. Place, All right, let's get to Tweet of the Night. Mm, tweet of the Night. Wow. Twitter. Okay, Tweet of the Night. If you are a podcast listener, I highly encourage you to look this up or swing over to our YouTube page and at least come see this video because it comes from the score and it's by way of Instagram showing LaMelo Ball's new watch. Trey, how would you describe this for the podcast listeners? This is an ugly watch. (laughs) An expensive ugly watch. Uh, I saw that the number one comparison for this custom one-of-one watch is Bowser's shell. Uh, yes, that it was what I said. does very much look like Bowser's shell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I showed this to Nora. She agreed with you. She said, that is ugly. <laughs> and she said, it sort of looks like they found it on the bottom of the sea. And that <laughs> yeah. there's like barnacles all over it. Just, you know, diamond-encrusted barnacles. But I see where she's going with that it's <laughs> definitely a pretty... barnacle vibe too. yeah <laughs> which isn't something you're usually looking for from a watch but i guess this is the watch you get when you've already got a lot of other luxury watches <laughs> this can't be your first your first luxury watch huh you don't think so no my guess is he's got other, other watches pieces? he's like well what am i gonna do now you know i already got a gold diamondy one what about a gold diamondy barnacle one <laughs> uh, it's gaudy, that's for sure. It is gaudy. Yeah, I think that was another popular uh, Twitter response. Like, like Liberace saying, ooh, that's a little too much. Uh, JD, any thoughts on, on LaMelo's new timepiece there? Yeah, it's uh, hideous. Hideous. It, it really is hideous. <laughs> I do love the Liberace saying, it might be a bit much. Yeah. Uh, the reviews are coming in from the stream team. Okay. A horny watch. <laughs> yeah. Looks like fungus. This looks like diamond mm. barnacles attached to a Casio. There we go. Yeah. Um, money can't buy you class. That's what the Countess Luann said. No, I was just going to say. <laughs> nice pull. Um, but you know what? He's only 21 years old. Yeah. He wouldn't get that. the same watch if he was 31 years old. Right. So how much does that watch cost? Do we, we don't that? Uh, I couldn't find out. I was, I was trying to go deep. But... The watch community is convinced that if he ever wants to sell this watch, it won't sell for as much money as he put into it. <laughs> a plain Jane Rolly. That's going to appreciate in value. Over yeah. Time. Well, that's what you said, like, or a comment said, like, he's done this to what appears to be a Casio. The sad part is that is probably an extremely expensive, like, Cartier watch. It's probably or like something. a $15,000 Yeah, watch like an himself. insanely yeah. beautiful, expensive watch. And then he's just put all this crap on it. Um, so... Yeah. So you think it's a custom job where he was just like, here's my Rolex. I want you to do this. And he described this. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> make it. <laughs> make it Bowser-like. Make, yeah, Bowser-like. <laughs> Bowser-like. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess. Well, I, I would hope 
I would almost hope that it's LaMelo Ball having this vision of what he thinks this watch should look like, yeah. presenting it to the jeweler and then making it. Because if it's the opposite and it's like the jeweler just like, I got an idea for a beautiful watch. <laughs> I got one for you. <laughs> My God, I mean, I hope it's not that. So, yeah, I think it's LaMelo. Yeah. Like, right, he's got the crazy, like, neon, um, whatever they are. He's a flashy guy regardless. Yeah, yeah. Yep. What is that? A Lamborghini? I think that was a Lamborghini. I think it's a Lamborghini. Okay, yeah, his, yeah. his highlighter. The one where he was yeah. ripping through uh, red lights. Red lights. Red Has light. he stopped doing that? Do we know that? <laughs> don't know. Don't know. No, no, the light is on his wrist. I feel like that would get caught on so much. <laughs> right? <laughs> like it's got like little yeah, pokies sticking looks, out of it. Yeah. Like yeah. a burr. You can't wear, um, like you can't wear long sleeves with this no. thing. No. Or like Absolutely a suit. Not. I mean, you got to be in a t-shirt or a tank top. <laughs> That's catching on your fabric. Another look at it. All right, thanks to the score. I will say, though, um, Super Mario Brothers, huge movie this summer. Loved it. Little Mermaid, huge movie this summer. Got to see it. Oh, that's like jamming the two together. Maybe it's the perfect watch for Summer mm. 23. <laughs> oh, interesting. The Bowser Barnacle Is there job. a big red button on that watch somewhere for Oppenheimer? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, what else? Ken and, well, we got Barbie movie coming out. We got mm-hmm. Flash. It's flashy. Uh, obviously, uh, Fast 10. We'll be doing a film session for mm-hmm. that somewhat mm-hmm. soon. Uh, any other movies? I feel like there was another one they showed last. Oh, there's this uh, Gran Turismo movie. It looks like shit. Yeah, mm. with the Bobon and Zach Levine commercial. <laughs> Does not look good to me. Have you heard oh, the Mission Impossible? Mission Impossible. The Gran Turismo? Uh-uh. No. It's, it's a, a video game player who played Gran Turismo, and they bring him in as a driver. And apparently it's based on a true story. What? Yeah. Oh, like some... Video gamer was so sweet at playing Gran Turismo. They're like, let's see if he can drive a real car. Yeah. It's such a realistic game. Uh, yeah. And like, oh. uh, yeah. We talked about this on Is This Good? Because Max was telling, Max told us, or not, uh, uh, Vince was telling us, you know, that was the plot. And I'm like, I've heard of video game players who are really, really good at Gran Turismo and they know the tracks actually better than some of the drivers okay. because they play so much. Wow. So I don't but know. To actually that's take that. Well, I. I assume then he was one of these players that has the whole setup. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, uh, I remember I was once at a party where uh, Great and Gordian and his buddies yeah. did the Lamont. Le Mans. The Le Mans, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or Le Mans, yeah. <laughs> where they were like, driving, hours. like actually like video game driving and rotating in and out. Yeah. <laughs> and I was there watching for a little bit <laughs> and it was entertaining as hell. They took it very seriously, I heard. Like, well, yeah, they were. Yeah. I don't know if they were trying to set a record or something. I forget what it was. I think they were trying to beat like their previous score or time or whatever. I remember I was there during rough weather. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it was raining. <laughs> a lot of stress crazy, on the man. driver. Yeah. That was amazing. <laughs> Jan Mardenborough? So this is, a, you're looking I guess up? so, yeah. I mean, I like just my quick Wikipedia while we're chatting here. Looks, okay. like, a, looks like a thing. All right. Cool. Well, maybe now we have to go watch it. I mean, no, based on a true story, you have my interest. Me, yeah. Sounds like a no breaks. Uh, yeah, oh, uh, film, film session. session. Okay, okay, okay. It's you back. Talk me into it. Uh, all right, guys, that's tweet of the night. That's hopefully another classic edition of the No Dunks podcast. You tell us by leaving us a five star rating and review, by hitting that like button, by subscribing to No Dunks on YouTube. I should say, I know he's going to be back here in person. I'll tell him to his face, but. Uh, Tass and Jerome just killing the coverage. So good. In Denver uh, with all of the shorts, all of the pics, uh, all the fun stuff that they had across a lot of our social media channels. So now it's your turn. Pressure's on. I like how the bar's been set. It's great. And here comes TK with Jerome uh, in Miami for games three and four. So have a blast, man. Uh, You taking the Speedo? 
Absolutely packed it last good, night. Good yep. for, <laughs> that was the first thing I got out for packing. I was like, cannot forget this. Good man. Good man. So, uh, yeah, make sure you subscribe to us across all the social media channels at No Dunk Sake to follow TK and Jerome in Miami. Have a safe flight. We will see you guys tomorrow. Till then, Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, Kaseya Limited is an American software company that develops software for managing networks, systems, and IT infrastructure. So I will see you at halftime of game three. Benvenido a Miami. Okay, Wi-Fi is going to be real strong. Brace the day, people. Hey, baseball fans, this is Derek Van Riper. Now that spring training games are underway, opening day is just a few weeks away. Eno Saris and I have been getting ready for the season all winter on Rates and Barrels. Whether you're a seasoned fantasy player, a baseball stats junkie, or just someone who wants to learn more about the game, join us for four episodes each week this season, including our new Friday live stream with former big leaguer Trevor May. Check out the live stream on Fridays at 1 o'clock Eastern on the Rates and Barrels YouTube channel, or listen to the show wherever you enjoy your podcasts, including the ad-free option on the Athletic app.